what time it is. It's time for the show as well, podcast. You know who I am and what I do. Rob Shaw, a.k.a. The Pod God, a.k.a. Come on, you know what time it is. Say it with me now. Harry Potter. So it's a solo pod today. We're going to talk about the new CBA, um, the play-in tournament, um, maybe a couple music and TV show reviews. Come on, man. Y'all know me. It's it's one-man band today. When it's a one-man band, I normally take mailbag questions. I didn't take mailbag questions just off the strength of I feel like there's a lot to handle with the new CBA. So I could be wrong. We might, shit might be a 15-minute pod because I didn't take mailbag questions. Let's hope not, though. Uh, Let's start. We might as well just start with Rudy Gobert punching uh, slow-mo, a.k.a. Kyle Anderson, Yesterday during the Pelicans game. I, I I can't wait to hear the discourse about this. Because when Draymond Green buttered Jordan Poole's biscuit, there was a lot of inside the NBA people that were like, you guys just don't understand. This happens more frequently than you guys would ever know. Um, the real issue here is that the video got leaked. Fine. Maybe NBA dudes do punch teammates in the face more frequently than we know at practice. But I want y'all to tell me that y'all seen it in a game before, right in the middle of the huddle. Because it was a big thing when Mario Chalmers and LeBron got into a verbal dispute. So I'm dying for y'all to get in my face and be like, nah, man, this Rudy Gobert thing isn't that big of a deal. No. What saves this from really being an issue is that Rudy Gobert threw one of the worst fucking punches I've ever seen. He should immediately, like the second the Wolves kicked him out and sent him home, he should have immediately went right to the nearest movie theater, closest movie theater to the arena and seen Creed. Or he should have went to the nearest thrift store and bought every fucking Rocky movie ever. That weak ass right hand He's so lucky Kyle Anderson didn't get through to him because it didn't look like Kyle Anderson's weak right hand was going to be his. It didn't look like slow-mo's right hand was going to look like Rudy's. Slow-mo was looking a little bit closer to Draymond on the spectrum of what a punch looks like. That got to be one of the worst punches in NBA history. It's not up there with Kermit Washington punching Rudy Tomjanovich. It's not up there with when Mike hit Steve Kerr, even though we didn't even see that one. And it's damn sure not up there with Draymond Green knocking Jordan Poole straight into the fucking Matrix. Uh, The Timberwolves decided to suspend him for this punch. I don't know. Maybe part of it is that the punch was so bad and so weak. About the Gobert suspension, it's one game and it'll be for the playing game. Or the first playing game. If the Wolves win, they're in. They play the Lakers. And if they lose the play-in game or advance to the Western Conference playoffs, he should be back. Which, low-key, might be a blessing in disguise for the Wolves. Well, it would be if they weren't playing the Lakers. I think Rudy Gobert has legitimate functionality versus Anthony Davis. He's one of the few matchups that... You don't worry about them just going small and Gobert having nothing to do. 
Um, the way the court looks with Gobert off and it Towns and Anthony Edwards is it, it's it looks like it's better for Edwards. I didn't watch this game live, but my brother did. And he was so impressed with Anthony Edwards. He called him like the future of the league that I had to go back and rewatch it. And I get what he's saying. Um, he gave maximum effort on the defensive end. Like Ingram was kind of going crazy, not kind of going crazy. He had 27 in the first half. And uh, when Anthony Edwards went there, he definitely slowed him down a significant amount. But that's Rudy Gobert. Just he, He's just good at ending seasons. Like, the guy knows how to close out a season. So now that we're done with the Rudy Gobert stuff, I don't really want to touch on the Mavs stuff. Like, I'm of the school of thought that if you have a chance to make the playoffs, make the playoffs, especially, like, you have Luka Doncic. You just traded for Kyrie Irving. You gave up a pick to get Christian Wood in the offseason. But more importantly, like as Luka Doncic, I don't want a missed playoffs on my resume as that level of Hooper. Like I coined the term um, like a stimulus package that certain players are just guaranteed playoff bursts. Like you have Chris Paul on your team, you're going to the playoffs. You have James Harden, you're going to the playoffs. You have... LeBron James for a really long stretch. It wasn't even the playoffs. It was the finals. Having LeBron meant you were a trip to the finals. Um, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, those are automatic playoff berths. Luka's in that conversation, or he's supposed to be. He's that caliber of player. And he was in the the worst conference this year. And he didn't make it. And he didn't make the play in. This is the NBA where there's 30 teams... And 20 of them legitimately get to say, we made some sort of postseason play. Two-thirds of the league makes some sort of postseason play. And this dude is a top five to ten player. And some people have him even higher than that. And he couldn't make the fucking playoffs in a year where he was relatively healthy? That That's a red flag. Like, that's something that says something about his style of play and him not even doing the style of play to the to the right level because it's James Harden's style of play. And since James Harden stepped foot in the National Basketball Association, Sun has not missed the playoffs. Some of that was early years with OKC, but even once he became the man in Houston, he has not missed the playoffs. So Luca to be anointed like this, missing the playoffs, it's not a good look. So that's my whole thought on the Mavs. NBA investigations are bullshit. They'll dock them a second round pick. They'll probably dock the Mavs a third round pick. You know what the kicker is? There is no third round in the NBA draft, but that's what the league will dock them because they don't take tampering and shit seriously. And that's fine because they want it to be a 12 month sport and the tampering sets news cycles. So I get why the punishment is so lax, but don't jump up and be like, yo, they gotta be punished. No. Now, let's get to the CBA because the new CBA is super duper important because the new CBA keeps us from it won't be 1999 or 2011. There will be no lockout. There will be no stoppage in play. Um, The new CBA goes through 2029. 
Um, here are some of the important notes. The BRI is still split 50-50. For those of you that don't know, <clears throat> the BRI is basketball-related income. So the owners get half of it and the players get half of it. And like there's weird incentives where one side can get up to 51% for a year and the other 49 But for the most part, the BRI is split right down the middle. Um, Two-way contracts are up from two to three. So a two-way contract is you draft a guy in the second round or you grab an undrafted free agent and you sign him to a two-way contract. So essentially the two ways are he's guaranteed um, at least one call up to the NBA big league team and he'll play for the G League team. And why this is it, why this is interesting is teams have been using these two-way contracts as ways to sort of wiggle around the salary cap or maybe you don't sign a veteran because the veteran minimum compared to what a two-way contract is is a large large difference in straight up money. So giving the owners essentially 30 more chances to do that is just an interesting concession from the uh, Players Association. It's good nor bad to me. It's just something to note. Um, Something that I'm sure the Players Association is happy they got Teams are now only afforded 24 hours to match on restricted free agents instead of 48. So a restricted free agent is somebody that's entering free agency, but the team still owns their rights and has the right to match any contract they get. Well, they used to have 48 hours to match. It's been cut to 24. What that does is it'll keep It'll keep free agency moving because though waiting for teams to make their decision on whether they sign a player or not actually can like slow down the whole process and put us in limbo. So I get why that was done. You need 65 games to be award eligible. Man. So you have 17 games to play with. Um, and then like, so a major injury can knock a dude out. Uh, maybe in the next CBA that number comes down. There's definitely been talk that some people are worried that with that number, like with a hard set number, not the voters' discretion, if you don't make 65 games, we're going to have some weird dudes on the All-NBA teams. And that matters because All-NBA, making All-NBA and winning certain awards activates incentives in your contract and makes you eligible for... The Rose Rule, uh, oh, winning like Rookie of the Year, MVP, and a certain amount of All-Stars on your uh, rookie contract can get you a super, super max on your second extension. Uh, You might not need to win Rookie of the Year, but like MVP and a certain amount of All-NBAs and All-Stars go into the Rose Rule. Um, But the big thing, this is the one that I'm so hype about. If you know me, you know I've been on this hill for a long time and i think the league finally got it right all nba is now positionless fucking finally all nba is supposed to be a snapshot of the league or at least that's what bill simmons says and i think that that's a really smart way to voice it 
but he says that in a way that is against going positionless, which almost doesn't make sense to me. If it's supposed, if all NBA is supposed to be a snapshot of the league, if three centers are the best three players in basketball, then they should be first team all NBA. So if Embiid, Giannis, and Joker are the best players in the league, all three of them should be all NBA because that gives a much more accurate representation of what the league looks like. Oh, this was a time where set where there were three really dominant centers when point guard when it was a point guard renaissance and I don't even know that that is ended if it would have been four out of the five all, first team all NBA dudes were point guards that's a much more accurate representation of what the league looks like it lets you know who the best players were regardless of position like Jamal McGlure makes all NBA third team one year or some bullshit you mean to tell me there wasn't a a forward or a guard or a point guard that was better than Jamal McGlure, but we had to throw him on there because we needed a third team center. That's not an accurate representation of what the league looked like when Shaq, David Robinson and um, Hakeem were all in the league. That would have been a better representation of what the league looked like instead of having some random dudes make all NBA. So while the 65 game limit might influence how all NBA looks, I think going positionless is definitely a step in the right direction. It is something I've clamored for for years. Um, the one in do, the one and done rule stays and that I know that surprised a lot of people. And I think the reason it stayed is because the players union job is to worry about the current players, the players who are already in the league. They can't, I'm, I'm sure they can't, they want to, I'm sure they want to help the future of the game, but it's the current players and the past players making sure that there's things set up for players after retirement trying to do something for guys that aren't in the league yet, while I'm sure they want to help, it can't be that high on the players union uh, priority list. Worrying about, you got veterans who are already fighting for jobs and you want them to have to fight with more people with high school kids now? If they can get rid of the one and done rule, I get it, but I don't think it's something the players union has nearly as high on their list of important things as some people believe. Unfortunately, with the one and done rule staying, we won't get the double draft. And I know like draft Knicks were super excited about that because who the hell wouldn't be? That means the top high school players from two drafts would have been in the same draft class because one class would have graduated high school and went on to be college freshmen or G League Ignite or overtime elite guys or played a year overseas and did their one year between graduation and the league. And then there would have been those other kids the next year who didn't have to wait that one year because it was the first year one and done was gone. So you would have had the top high school players from the senior class and the top freshmen or recently graduated players, and it would have made for what many believe is a super loaded draft because in one way, you had one kid who was probably going to be the number one pick in his class, and then another who would have been the number one pick in his class, 
and now they would have been in the same draft. So that's an anomaly that we're going to miss out on, but was super cool. The midseason tournament is confusing as all hell, but what I really gathered is that it may mean expansion for the league. Um, just very simple math. There's 30 teams, and Adam Silver put them into groups of eight. What does Cardi say? Cardi B, what did she say? Oh, that's weird, or whatever she says, because eight isn't divisible by 30. You know what eight is divisible by? 32. So instead of Adam Silver doing five groups of six or six groups of five, he did groups of eight. Well, if he can expand to 32 teams, four groups of eight. So that's just something to keep an eye out for. The midseason tournament, you'll be placed in groups with other teams and these the games will be the first six weeks of the season. And like, the, you'll know, they'll be noted, they'll be highlighted that, hey, this is a in-season tournament game. And the top six teams that win those get in along with two wild cards, making up your eight. And the winning team, uh, each player gets $500,000. Is that enough incentive to motivate a guy? I didn't think so. But after talking with my brother, Yosh, Yosh was like, well, some people think just like the competitive juice. And then like once you get there, if you're one, two games away from an extra $500,000, fuck it. Let me get the money. Like that's what they said Jordan used to do in the All-Star game. Like he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do know that there is a difference between what the winning team and the losing team gets, right? Let's get all that extra money. Let's be the winning team. So that's my thoughts on the new midseason tournament. Another thing that comes from the new CBA is players can now own shares in NBA and WNBA teams. I'm not going to get deep into this because I don't know what this means. I find it difficult to think that it's going to turn that LeBron can be on the Lakers and own a stake in the Lakers even just for, like, we've seen it done a million times. Oh, I gave uh, my stake to my wife. I, I get it. Like, that happens. So maybe that is how it'll be. Maybe we'll just cut out the middleman with uh, giving your stake to your wife or your cousin. But I'm really interested to see what that means. Weed is legal and is no longer tested for for players. I hope that this helps in recovery. Uh, what else? The play-in tournament for the playoffs. It's relatively new, so I'll break it down one more time. The first, the top six seeds in each conference are in the playoffs. And seeds three and six will play each other and four and five will play each other. But one and two will be determined who they play is determined by the play in tournament. So how the play in tournament works is the seventh seed plays the eighth seed uh, with the winner getting the seventh seed. And then the loser plays the winner of the nine versus 10 game for the eighth seed. I, I thought about 
how I could change this or if there was a way to fix this. Because as the seventh seed in a normal playoff bracket, I would want to play the 10 seed. They're the worst team. But the reason that doesn't work, like with this current construct, is if seven plays 10 in 10 wins, then 10 would get the seventh seed and get to leapfrog eight and nine. And that's not fair. So it doesn't work that way. I And I'll sit around and I'll still workshop ways to make this better or if it's possible. But that's... I just think it gives the seven and eight seed the biggest advantage of, hey, if you win this game, you're automatically in. And if you lose, you still get an extra game. So that is where the added benefit for the seven and the eight are. But playing the playing the other team that would have made the playoffs back in the old rules, like if I'm the seven seed, I would have been in in the old rules. If I'm the eight seed, I would have been in in the old rules. Now there's a chance that I'm not in, and this is this goes to two thirds of the league uh, playing postseason basketball, and why it was so egregious for Luca to miss it, in my opinion. Um, so the play-in matchups right now are: we have the Raptors versus the Bulls, which I'm actually very excited for. So Raptors Bulls is the nine ten game. I like the Raptors in that one. But is there a chance that, oh man, if Ian and Sean hear this, they might kill me. Are we 100% sure that Toronto has the best player on the court? Oh, I can't wait for I might post what they say in the group chat when they hear this. They might kill me. Uh, look out for this. I'll throw it on my Instagram story because I can already hear Ian cursing me out and telling me that Pascal is not only the best player in that series, but that Fred Van Fleet might be the second best. I don't think he would go that far, but like I who they're not going to like this. Give me Toronto over the Bulls. And give me Miami over... Give me Miami over Atlanta. So then that would mean Boston and Miami. Oh, they're, if I'm Boston, I'm rooting heavy for Atlanta. I'm the biggest Trey Young fan in the world that day. And out West, we have the Lakers in Minnesota. I already kind of touched on that because Rudy Gobert won't be playing. And this is one of the matchups where like it's it would have been good to have him. Maybe Towns will step up and battle his Kentucky counterpart, Anthony Davis, but Towns has been a little bit disappointing for a while. In OKC versus New Orleans in the 9-10 game, with New Orleans having being uh, the 9, so just letting you know that gives them home court, OKC might have the best player in this. Like, Brandon Ingram's really been hooping, but SGA, a 30 ball and still really good defense. And I know everybody scores a lot in this league now, but 30 points on an NBA for an NBA player is a lot to average on a season. So I'm just excited to see where that takes us. Um, let's talk about UConn. UConn won the Natty. They were led by 
they just had a good group of players. Um, Andre Jackson from Albany, New York, was just out there doing a lot of Draymond Green, uh, Andre Iguodala type things, like just making an impact without a ton of scoring, which I know it breaks people's brains because it's like scoring is what matters. And that's why Jordan Hawkins will be a lottery pick. Like Jordan Hawkins declared for the draft. He was really fun to watch coming off screens and just making moves. He was awesome. Um, Weston, I believe, is the whatchamacallit name. He was a transfer. And he flirted with some triple doubles throughout the year. And, man, he really, really brought it in the final game. Tristan Newton is uh, the gentleman I was talking about. He, There was a stretch where it looked like San Diego was trying to get back in it. And this dude got a bucket. He got a layup. And then he grabbed like three rebounds in a row. He, You felt him. Um, the most outstanding player was center Adama Sanogo. Or he's a forward center. He, he was good. He carved out space. Um, don't really love him as a pro prospect, but he was a very effective college big, and now he has a national championship. So it doesn't get much doper than that. What else? All right, quick, quick housekeeping notes. Um, what am I listening to musically? I've been listening to Shadow Band by Grizzy Hendrix and PF, PFV. Um... You know I fucks with Grizzy Hendrix. That's really my man's. Um, the standout track on this to me is Modern Day Martyr. So that's uh, Grizzy Hendrix, PFV, Shadow Band. You can find that anywhere. And I would definitely check out Modern Day Martyr on that. And then I've been listening to uh, DJ Drama's I'm Really Like That. The intro with Tyler, the creator, Flames. Like, I, I love that. Drum's really talking his shit on that. There's a joint with A Boogie that, like, A Boogie goes crazy. But my favorite track so far has been Raised Different, which is uh, Nipsey Hussle and Young Jeezy. Oh, my God. Jeezy's fucking verse is impeccable. Like, Jeezy comes on, and that's TM101 Jeezy. That's Recession Jeezy. That... That verse is powerful, and I loved it. Lastly, man, I, I hate to do this, especially to y'all that have listened this far into the podcast because you guys are the motherfuckers that support. So, like, this is pro there's probably no point in saying it to y'all, but I got to say it anyway. Um, I've been really attacking the reels on Instagram and the shorts on YouTube if you guys could share them shits when you see them shits, because it might be your share that puts me in front of the right set of eyes or the right set of ears. So like, it's so goofy talking to you guys. Cause if you're listening to the pod and we're damn near 30 minutes in, I know y'all got my back. Like you guys are the real supporters. The, as a matter of fact, I'm naming names. Like, cause I know who really holds it down. 
Riley McInerney, George Chars, Adam Williams, um, my girl Allie holds it down. Who else am I missing? Of course, my brother holds it down. And there's others, but like that group, I know it. Did I, I hope I said Riley. I must have said Riley. I, I got to say, in case I missed Riley, Riley Mack. Who else? Um, my man, uh, Michael Dalio. Like, th there's some of y'all that really fucks with me, and I love it. I tell you guys I appreciate it, but I probably don't tell you guys enough. But, like, I'm really working in the reels, in the shorts. I'm seeing results. Like, not like, it's not like I'm going crazy or I'm going viral, but, like, People are, are watching them and I'm seeing, yo, a new follower on IG, a new subscriber on uh, YouTube. So I'm going to try and stay consistent with that. Y'all know consistency is something I have to work hard on. Shit, it's been a few months since I gave y'all a pod probably. So consistency is key and I'm working at that. But I just want y'all to know how much I appreciate you guys always showing love. Like every share, retweet, comment, like, them shits mean the world to me. So I really appreciate y'all. I got some interviews lined up with uh, some pretty cool people coming up. So please be on the lookout for that. Tell a friend about the Show Us All podcast. I think that's everything. Um... If I miss something, y'all will get it. Oh, I do. Oh, real quick, real quick. All right, last thing on the reels. My son Hendrix, uh, last time I did a mailbag, sent me a dope question. I teased it. It's sort NBA players into their Hogwarts houses. As of right now, the only one that came out is the Slytherin one. But Ravenclaw and Tufflepuff are done. They're dropping this week. Finding a fucking team of five for Gryffindor is kicking my ass, but I'm going to get it done. And when it's done, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll give a long podcast on like my reasoning for everybody because it's me, man. I've been talking for 30 straight minutes. Y'all know I'm long winded. You know, I like the sound of my voice. So putting five players on a team inside one minute isn't really how I like to do things. Like that's why the reels have been challenging, but fun to me because it's, Rob, you can't be long-winded. You got a minute to tell them what you're talking about, get your point across, and plug some shit if you want. So it's been a challenge, but it's been so fun. Uh, I really hope y'all fuck with these when they come out. They've it's really fun. Like it, uh, I love basketball and I'm Harry Potter. So like you know we're really in my wheelhouse with this shit. But this has been the Shaw's Law podcast, and like that, we out.